Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Tennessee Power Hour and Outkick 360. Glad you're with us. Entire crew doing a fabulous job on this Wednesday edition. Our thoughts on the Preds uh, coming up in a matter of about 60 seconds. Uh, one headline of the day that is returning is the match. Tiger Woods, he's recovering from his car accident, but it was a huge hit in the two times that we've seen this already. Well, during COVID, it yeah, was... Yeah, uh, Tiger and Phil pairing up. We're going, and we saw that with, with Peyton Manning. We are going to see Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers involved in the next match. Phil Mickelson and Bryson DeChambeau will be the pros. And Tom Brady has already started the trash talk with, uh, with his memes. He is perfect on social media. Um, and yet again, I am stuck here trying to complain about Tom Brady, and I can find nothing to complain about as we show the link. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, and in the back it says, the Packers kicking a field goal down seven as DeChambeau <laughs> walks by <laughs> behind Kepka from the interview. Well done, Brady, and I can't wait for this. What When is this coming up, Paul? Did I'm it, not did sure. It say? I'm it, not la sure the last time the we day. saw this, uh, the first one was in Vegas in like September, I think. This so is in Wyoming. Maybe it's a little... It'll have to be earlier Or Montana. 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 It'll have so to be earlier than that. Hopefully it's way earlier than that, yeah. Have to be um, uh, by July 26th, I would think. Hopefully the Preds are not done after this coming matchup at they Bridgestone really, Arena tomorrow night. Really they really, really let this game. Really let I felt this the same way after away. game two. I thought that they... July 6th July the 6th. match. Yeah, so July 4th Good. weekend, conceivably. Um, that, look, we said going into the series the Preds were going to have to muck it up, slow it down, uh, th throw Carolina off their game. I don't know that we'd seen that through the first four. Last night, the Preds did that perfectly. Yeah, they did. I mean, they slowed everything down in the neutral zone, off of face-offs, even when they were losing the face-offs, which they, they lose a lot of face-offs against Carolina's very good face-off team. But they were able to slow Carolina down off, off face-offs on a regular basis. They played exactly the type of game that everybody said they were going to have to play to have a chance to be in this series, um, at, which made it a harder-to-watch game. It wasn't the, the flying up and down kind of game that we've seen in the first four. And then they blew it. Um, Duchesne and Benning lost the goal score uh, coming around the net, sneaking it behind Soros with about seven minutes left. Again, they had a good chance or two, a good look or two with three, two minutes left. They go into overtime. I understand that the call was a, was a bad call, but I will say this, and it definitely was a bad call, but it didn't undercut them to a degree that it put the Hurricanes on a power play, it put them on four and four. Uh, so, you know, yeah, it took away a Preds power play, but it didn't put the Titans at a disadvantage. It took away an advantage. Playing four on four, they should be able to hold steady and, and be all right. They give up a rebound there. 
lose, uh, as, as Stoll puts in a swatted puck, and, and it got away. And uh, I could very easily see them now with Carolina ahead, but losing this at six. Yeah, I, I thought the Preds played well. Uh, I thought it was a great wraparound goal to tie it. it, it the, the, I talked about the pressure going to that game on Carolina. They played like they had pressure on them. Yeah, they did. The Preds played their game. And the Preds pressured they them. They weren't turning it over. Carolina was turned turning it over. It over. four times the whole night, the Yeah, Preds. it's amazing. And, and Carolina turned it over repeatedly. They looked like they had the pressure on them, and the Preds let them off the hook. It was a great play. That goal to tie it, though, it, it felt like that was Carolina winning that the series. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, just because it was 2-1, to one, you're under eight minutes left in the game, you're going back to Nashville to close it out if you can hold on for seven and a half minutes or however much time was left. Carolina made a play. They made another play in overtime, and now it's certainly Carolina's series to lose. I still like the Preds' chances coming back home, the way they've played it at Bridgestone Arena, and they've, they've turned that sort of into a magical setting again when they, when they come back home. It felt like, and I'm, I'm blanking on the year, but there was a Pekka Rene game against Chicago when Chicago was a big favorite, and the Preds had them on the ropes on the road and gave up a late goal and lost the series in six, I believe, that year, where they could have gotten over the hump earlier against Chicago. That's what it felt like last night. It felt like a classic team that's uh, inferior to another team but has played even, having a chance to get the big upset. That just lets them off the hook. I, I don't feel like the series is over because I, I only think there's been one game where Carolina has played as the better team. Game one. The rest of the time – Preds should have won game two. They won the next two. And they should have won last night. And if we're being fair to what the Preds have done uh, and, and fair to what we've seen from Carolina, Carolina's only been the better, most dominant number one seed in one game. And it was out of the gate in this series. And what a great series it's been. And the Preds have been playing their style. Soros has been spectacular. Uh, Natchez last night with the wraparound goal was beautiful. But going back and watching it, being allowed to skate freely through the neutral zone and not have one player, I mean, it's not just on one single player, but not one player knock him off his line at all. Yeah. Uh, a lot of speed. That could haunt them. But the way he, you know, goes around the net, slides on the left knee, wraps it in, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful goal. But when you watch him skate all the way from the neutral zone, all the way around net and score with about seven minutes to play, all the momentum immediately goes Carolina's way. And, Paul, you can say it was four on four. That was a weak call. Uh, and it should have given the Preds a man a advantage. Game. It was a weak call. Uh, is it letter of the law, interference? Sure. But the way they've been letting these guys play in overtime the last two games, to call that, it's yeah. weak. But they should withstand four on four. The you four on four that, isn't the, game over. But for those that are upset that it's a weak call or not wrong, it was, no, it not was wrong. weak. But, the, was, but four on four, they're acting like, oh, my God, you put us on four on four. How are we going to survive that? I, I was listening to the radio call uh, on 102.5 The Game locally in Nashville, and, and Hal Gill said that, um, you know, these refs really don't want to be the reason that a series ends. And I see this happen too often where they don't want to have a power play in overtime with one team. And they may, it's almost like a makeup call, but it's not really a makeup call. It's just a let's even them out now. And see what happens. And that's what that call yeah. felt like to him. Well, which I, I don't... He also stuck his leg out a little. I mean, he sure could he be more innocent. In sure, it, sure, sure. To make and sure I, it doesn't I'm not close. saying that it wasn't letter of the law, right? But the way they let these guys play some, it, 
I, I thought, and especially in overtime, I'm, I'm thinking it's it's weak. You could Carolina. I, w- I was watching some of Carolina's broadcast last night. They were really upset on the goaltender interference where they took away the goal. It was very clearly you, you goaltender interference. Chris Mason said it. Uh, it uh, I'm sorry, I, I wrote down who said what here. No, it was. Here, here's what it was. It, it, it was debatable. Mason said no. And I no. think Carolina fans have a reason to be upset because it looked to me like friendly fire from Roman Yossi. That was a lot of bodies around the net. And I think the Preds were more of the violator. Yeah, but the Hurricanes are not allowed to be in there. Yossi's the only in there because their guy's in there. Again, and then Yossi if, bumps if into the interference call is debatable and Preds fans want to be pissed off about it, Carolina fans have the right sure. to be pissed off about that call also. Sure. I think both have a, a, a reason to be legitimately angry, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't a bad result in terms of, I'm not going to sit here and say the game really swung on this. I think the result was fine in the end. Feels like a missed opportunity for the Preds. I'll say this too. I don't think the series is over. I think the Preds will lose in seven games. I do think they're coming home to win. And I think they're going to go back to Carolina and lose in a seventh game. But Hutton, I could also make the argument that Carolina outplayed the Preds in Nashville and lost two games in double overtime. Yeah, tough, but, tough the, match the Preds, but that's the way this series is gone, But right? my point with that is the Preds played their style, a knockdown, drag-out fight is what we said Last prior night. to game one, what it had to be. Game one was five to two in the final with an open, an empty netter at the end, but five to two the final, and you didn't feel like it was that style of play. The rest of them have been sort of the muck it up mentality, where you have to grind out wins. That's how they're going Last to have night, to win the and, most. And Saros has been doing his part on this. Uh, we've seen the the nine line step up in a big way, and they let one slip away. Last I'm not going to get that, caught that, up though. There's just no. To, to me, I, I just can't say Carolina's been the better team and they finally got what they deserve, which was a game six or game five win. Well, I'm not going to get caught I, up, though, in how they've played. It's 3-2. They, they, Carolina sure. finds a way. Um, and I, and I, I but said, they didn't find a way in Nashville. Right. This is my point. I mean, well, they again, they you have can, home ice. Like, to Hutton's point, it's been fairly even. So I'm expecting a seven-game series when you really balance out Who's looked like what from game to game and what has Here's happened. Here's how even it's But been. I think Carolina fans could easily, and I've, I've read of one, a Carolina writer for The Athletic talk about this, you could easily make the case for Carolina. They came to Nashville, and they were the better team in back-to-back games, and the Preds found a way to win in double overtime in both games. Now, Preds fans come back and say, won the game. Just like you said, Preds may have been better in game two. They lost 3-1. to one. Right. In Carolina, they played their style. They lost 3-1. to one. So... I do think overall it's been a fairly even series, which surprises me, quite frankly, because after game one, I thought Carolina was going to roll. Here's how even the series has been. Steve Lehman tweeted this out last night, and this is is from the Predators broadcast as well. You see the minutes played in the series, counting all the overtimes, over 372 minutes. They've been separated by more than one goal for 12 minutes and 53 seconds. And this is a series where Carolina is the heavy favorite. That's how close this series has been. So... Uh, I, I don't think off of one win in Raleigh uh, in Game 5 that the Preds are out of it as they return home tomorrow night. Here's another number. I snapped this off the uh, the CNBC broadcast last night. All-time uh, for both franchises in best-of-seven series. Leading 3-2, Predators are 4-0. and oh. Trailing 3-2, Predators are 1-9. and nine. Leading 3-2, Carolina is 7-0. and Trailing 3-2, Carolina is 2-8. and That fifth game, not surprisingly, 
super consequential, really super consequential in that the leader at 3-2 for both of these franchises had never lost. The home ice shift. Uh, one thing Carolina did was making sure that they had stall and that stall matchup on the Johansson line. And although Johansson made a couple of, of plays last night, and, and Forsberg, I thought, should have buried at least one of those chances early in the first period, Carolina did a much better job against the nine line last night with the shift control that they had versus the way they controlled and did, or lack thereof, uh, in Nashville where we saw the emergence of Duchesne and, and, and that line together. So uh, I, I thought they did better. And, and props to Stahl, who, look. Uh, Guys are stuck. Yeah, he is leadership by action. He reminds me a lot of Mike Fisher during the Stanley Cup final run for the Preds, where when you need someone to step up, you just have a feeling there's going to be a guy on each team that does it. He's, he is the guy. And we've seen him do it in previous stops and for other teams. But uh, he is excellent, and he is right place, right time, and he is leadership by action, which I would imagine makes him one of the favorite players that Brenda Moore coaches because of that. The player mentality from Brendamore, you can see it with Stahl on the ice. I think my, I, I just circle back to it. I'm really disappointed. Yeah, it's hard not to Because they were so effective. And I think the thing that I haven't thought about much is they gotta get another goal. While they're doing all that mucking it up and yeah. frustrating Carolina so badly, you know that there's still Carolina just needs that one moment, like you talked about, one moment where he doesn't get touched in the neutral zone, comes out of there with speed, escapes two defenders, and, and has a wraparound where all the mucking it up work is for naught. So in the meantime, when you're up to one, you got to go get another one. You get the other one, and then you, you can breathe easier, and you've, you've done your work. But the failure to do that meant that the one mistake was killer. And, and when you had that killer mistake, um, it, it was not survivable last night. Um, and, and then you don't get that long extended overtime. Um, you know, and, and I felt like it was a lot less of an enjoyable watch because those extended overtimes, the two games over the weekend, the play is stopped less often. You're not going to commercial. Yeah. And, and you're on the edge of your seat that whole time, and it's more end-to-end, -end, right? So the regulation part is not as good as the overtime part. And last night, the overtime part was only two-plus minutes. And you kept wanting more. Like, you yeah. keep wanting more from the series, and, and sure enough, you, you get another overtime. Uh, it's over-delivered, this series. Shout-out to Jacob Underwood, who pulled this stat for the Predators broadcast. It's amazing. Um, the first time in NHL history, in the history of the sport at the professional level for the National Hockey League, it's the first time that a playoff series has gone into double overtime in back-to-back -back games, and then it's gone into overtime again. Uh, the first time we've ever seen that. That's how different this series has been and how even this series that's, that's has been. remarkable for uh for the long history of the nhl and nhl playoffs and overtime yeah. that's never happened before. never so i don't want to fast forward to this yet but just a preview of what we're going to discuss whenever the series ends whether it's in six or seven or if the preds win and move on the question i have is and david Poyle said we're, we're going to find out about how we match up and who we are 
They're matching up pretty well with one of the best teams in all of hockey in the playoffs. They were better than almost any other team in hockey for the second half of the season. What the hell happened the first half of the season? Who are the Preds? Well, they were too healthy. Well, who? I mean, I mean, that's <laughs> right. That's that's going to be the discussion now. Is okay. We have these measuring stick. They've measured up yeah. against Carolina. They did great the second half to come back. Well, then what happened? Because the Preds were a non-factor in Nashville. They were out of sight, out of mind because they were so bad. Everyone had written them off for a team that needs to trade everyone away and move on from coach and GM and move into the future and completely rebuild. So that's going to be the balancing act now of, well, who are the Preds really? Is this the Preds you're going to get moving forward or was the first half of the season Preds? Well, I, I, I can't tell you who they are really, but I can guess at who David Poyle's going to think they really are. Yeah. This team. And I don't well, blame him for wanting yeah, to feel that way or wanting to believe that. But, I mean, if, if, the 30,000-foot view for me is it really didn't matter. As long as they're in and they're playing at the level they are right now, they're, we're not seeing October, November Preds, mm-hmm. um, even going back to the series against Arizona. You're going to play a group of four teams that are really good. Um, so you're playing Tampa, Florida, or Carolina out of the chute, no matter where you finish in this, in this playoff bracket. Uh, the question is, do you have home ice advantage or not? And right now, that is massive in this series. I think the Preds are coming home to win. I, I really feel that way about it. This is a seven-game series. Feels like a seven-game series when you look at how close they've been, which is, which is honestly pretty miraculous because the way the Preds played against them in the regular season, the way this series started, I, I was wrong. I, I was fooled. I thought this was a five-game sure. series no. at best, and now they look dead even. Yeah. And we're, they're coming home to a packed Bridgestone Arena. It'll be over 14,000 in attendance uh, for the home game tomorrow night, 8.30 start time, Central. And, I, I'm, and looking at the layout of the arena, I think this is a legitimate sellout crowd because the, the tarps that they have on the lower level uh, are not being removed, from what I'm told. So if those seats are still covered, and it's just a little strip of them behind the glass, behind the uh, penalty box, if those are still being covered, that leaves about three sections up top in the media area that were open that I would suggest, and I don't know this, would be full if you're adding in an extra two or 3,000 people. And I still think that there were more than 12,000 there over the weekend, just looking around and being in that arena and knowing what the arena felt like when they were struggling to average 14,000 uh, when they were trying to save the team uh, over a decade ago. It, it, it felt like there were fourteen to 15,000 over the weekend for a 17,000 seat capacity. I can't prove that, but it will, if that felt that way over the weekend, I can't wait to fill the atmosphere tomorrow night with over 14,000 in attendance. That place will be hopping. Look, playoff hockey oh, the and best. then overtime hockey um, and then elimination game home team hockey is uh you know something something special i i wish i could be there thursday i looked at tickets i think simon winds up with a baseball practice that eliminated me from possibility but i'm uh I, and it's a late I, start I'm fired up to see what they do um and a late start will allow for people to uh really imbibe uh, ahead i think uh you were there for one of the overtime games that's always a question i, have. I mean alcohol sales get cut off what halfway through the third um, uh, that you know, from if, not from not from what I saw. No, <laughs> keep it going. Run it back. Run it back. 
I mean, I, that always strikes me as a thing. Like, I, I don't have to be bombed during a game. Right, But you'd still like to be sipping on a beer for a stage there in a lot of occasions. And when you go two overtimes yeah. uh, and through those intermissions and you're not, uh, you know, that, that part's shut down, it changes things. We have the 360 parlay coming up later this hour. Um, maybe, I'll, maybe yeah, I'm in position today. If I win the parlay for the group and all of us, um, maybe I'll be able to select the Preds tomorrow uh, as part of the parlay. If not, Paul will be in a position to do that if he so chooses. Maybe he chooses the Hurricanes. Maybe he stays away from it altogether. It's up to him. But you can join us uh, with the Outkick 360 parlay at fanduel.com slash OK360 if you are already subscribed and uh, you have downloaded the app. If you have not, there's free money and site credit available with FanDuel right now. FanDuel.com slash OK360 by simply laying some money down on the NBA. We're about to show you the offers. You bet $10 on the Mavs or Clippers or bet a dollar on the Heat and Bucks. You get $100 back in site credit even if you lose. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Opt in, make a deposit, and make sure this is your first bet on the site and the app. If that's the case, as long as you're not in <coughs> Illinois, you're going to get $100 back in site credit from FanDuel. It is a great offer. And as Chad, as you like to say, why, are, why have you not already done this? I'm amazed that you're not taking advantage of this. It's free money. If you haven't already signed up for FanDuel, what is stopping you? Sign up right now. Coming up, there is a philosophy by some organizations across the NFL uh, that some buy into this time of year that a couple of other teams have gone against recently and I think it would signal that they're going to lose a lot of games because of this. At least that's the perception of some of these other teams. Paul will explain and tie it in to the Tennessee Titans. That's just around the corner. First though, also right around the corner, rental property. That's right. Renters Warehouse, rwnashville.com. And your rent up front for an entire year with Renters Warehouse Nashville. Hutton said the website. It's rwnashville.com. The phone number is 615-398-9550. And by giving you your money up front, your rental money for a year, Renters Warehouse is helping minimize risk and providing financial flexibility so you can build long-term wealth. The upfront rent program available for a limited time. So call Renters Warehouse Nashville. Again, the phone number 615-398-9550 or visit rwnashville.com to see if you qualify. Renters Warehouse, do it the Renters Warehouse way and get tomorrow's rent today. The Ravens and Falcons better watch out because we know who their right guard is in their starting lineup. Details on that coming up on Outkick 360. Outkick 360, still time to go vote. Cast your, cast your ballot. Jacob Swanson had a great one-liner as we're coming back on air. For what, so the, the option is uh, the, for the skater kids, is it growing up or skater kids now? i got to find out how Regan, uh, Regan our production assistant, had the question. I'm going to find it right now to see exactly how it's uh, – there okay. was an Instagram poll that was degenerate or not, basically. If you're a skateboarder yeah. and you're a kid – if you're a degenerate or not, or high school kid, I, whatever. Someone that skateboards. <laughs> yeah, are you a degenerate or not? But I can't find the Twitter poll. Did you post a Twitter poll question? I know she did because I voted in it. 
Um, here it is. What's the typical skateboarder kid? There it is. Degenerate or good kid? Those are your two options. Uh, and as we update the poll, 59% vote degenerate. 41%, including myself and Jacob Swanson, have voted good kid. I'm voting on good this kid. Poll. I've never heard anyone. On behalf I mean, of I, Simon Kuharski, good kid. Boom. Yeah, certainly for Simon. And someone said if you're bad at skateboarding, which Simon is, yes. then you're a good kid. Yeah. And if you're great at it and it's your life, then you're a bad kid, which I thought was a pretty fu uh, funny way to d distinguish the two. I've never heard anyone <laughs> flock to, you know who's a bunch of really good kids? Those skateboarders out there. <laughs> like I, I feel like there's a middle ground. Like It shouldn't be degenerate or good kid. There should be like three levels of Sarah laughs in the other room, which is great. Uh, degenerate, something in the middle, and good kid. What's the something in the middle? You you use words. Well, like Regan plays field hockey, all right, at Richmond. I don't even know if we can say that for NCAA rules, but name, image, likeness is about to be a thing, so whatever. It's all going to be passed <laughs> in legislation. Yeah, you're suspended. But she, uh, we talked before, and I said, you know, field hockey seems like an uppity sport. Like I hear field hockey, but I'm like, oh, you play field hockey? I think of a rich prep school girl when I hear field hockey. And she said that's accurate, huh. that she went to public school and she's yeah. almost – Looked down upon at school because she went to public. Oh, you went to public school? And you play, and you field, play field hockey? hockey? I didn't know that was allowed in public school. But stereotypes school. exist for a reason. <laughs> so when I say skateboarder or skater kid, you automatically think good kid? I don't think anyone thinks good kid when they hear that. They, there could be good kids doing it, but that's certainly not the stereotype. And I know I'm not crazy when I say that. That's, I think that's fair. Thank you. But I think it may have shifted some. It shifted whenever Paul allowed when Simon to go skate. That's yeah, when it shifted. That's the day it shifted. If you did this yesterday, <laughs> well, if you brought this up yesterday, Paul would be I think, out I on think the it, skater kids. It shifted when churches got involved in building skate parks and made it an outreach program. <laughs> that's when they're trying to get the skater kids in for a reason. Because yeah, that's how you go to Winterfest now. You have, they to, need, you have they, to have skate parks. You know, Boys, I have some unbelievable information that you guys are not oh, going okay. to believe. So please, please let me know how the Falcons cannot win in 2021. The Falcons and the Ravens, based on the logic of the Tennessee Titans, the secret keepers, <laughs> the secret keepers of the AFC South, the Ravens and the Falcons, based on things that have been written in the last 24 hours, cannot win. Listen to this. Everyone, everyone, please. <laughs> Secrets out. Your attention. Sarah, shut up in there. <laughs> shh, shh. Listen. Jalen Mayfield was taking Sarah, regular snaps. Tape. Chad, please. <laughs> Big news. Jalen Mayfield was taking regular snaps at left guard alongside Drew Dolman at center with the rookie group, but Josh Andrews played between Matthews and Matt Hennessy when Matthew Ryan was under center. Matthews said Hennessy's development from year one to year two has been interesting. He noted Hennessy has found his voice. Also, Details about Fabian Moreau opposite A.J. Terrell at cornerback with Isaiah Oliver lining up inside. Kendall Sheffield got limited outside reps behind Moreau and Terrell. Jalen Hawkins and Eric Harris were also heavily featured at safety with Richie Grant behind them in the rotation. You can't put out information Man, like Dean this. Dean Pease is going to be livid over this information being Dean out. Dean Pease and Arthur Smith are allowing this information out. The Falcons have no chance to win. <laughs> the Titans are hell-bent. All the season. That this information coming what out at this stage is a competitive advantage. disadvantage. <laughs> the Titans could never win if we knew how their cornerbacks were deployed. We're going to see them on the field tomorrow. I'll see them on the field. If I were to reveal this information, 
I would be banned from practice, and this would be a, a monstrous scandal. We could not possibly they know. They kick you out of the city if Elijah if Moore was lined up. Elijah Moore, who's drafted as can't a kick you off the show. Paul would have to move from Williamson County to Murray County. Elijah Moore, information. drafted as a nickelback. If we were to report that he lines up as a nickelback, this would blow things open. Now, listen, here's another thing. Where do you get a hold of this? Okay. <laughs> oh, my. Ravens, more? Ravens director of player personnel, Joe Horitz, <laughs> said Monday that he felt the Packers would have taken Rashad Bateman at 29 if Baltimore didn't draft him at 27. The, the Packers wound up drafting Eric Stokes, the cornerback. But that's not, that's not the story, fellas. Here's the story. Brace yourself. Horitz said this during an hour-long session, breaking down film of the eight draft picks with the media. Oh, my God, what is going on? Can you imagine if the Titans broke down their eight draft picks with the media, the secrets that would be out? Oh my God. If we knew things about Dylan Raddins. <laughs> if we knew things about how he plays right tackle or right guard, I don't know yeah, which we, position. We you know, if how, we knew we, things. We can't speculate. We if, can't speculate. If we knew <laughs> what makes Elijah guard? Molden. <laughs> if we knew what makes Elijah Molden good at defending the nickel position, that, that Titans would have no oh. chance. Oh, so you're saying he's playing nickel? Well, I, I mean, he played nickel at once. In this hypothetical oh, world. Oh, I was trying to catch you in, in too much information. If we knew the why they liked Rashad Weaver as a third outside linebacker, there would be no chance in hell the Titans could rush the passer this year. Oh, wait, they probably maybe can't anyway because they don't <laughs> have any interest <laughs> in rushing it. the passer. They, they finally did. No, I, I, I hope you get the sarcasm level here. John Robinson, Mike Vrabel, everybody that uh, enables him, starting with Amy Adams Strunk, enables both of them <laughs> to, to think that every single thing has to be a massive secret in order for them to have any chance at success. It, this shows you how laughable it is because Arthur Smith is a smart guy. He's one of the two smartest guys that you've had here. The other one's Dean Pease, the two best assistant coaches you've had. Oh my God, they've gone to an organization and they've actually let us people know who's playing where on the offensive line and the world didn't explode. Baltimore, which kicked your ass in the playoffs, is willing to have a film session where they discuss their draft picks. I, uh, uh, the curtain has not been torn in two. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was well done. They're not winning that was, the Super that was Bowl, well though. stated. Too much information being shared to the media. Well, and it's, it's you know a, what you aren't allowed to do though. You are allowed to go and take attendance and tweet out who's there and who's not there and ask the coach about it. They if, want that out there. If the the Titans were the Patriots, then we would excuse this. Yeah, go win six. It's an organization that's never won a Super Bowl as the Oilers or the Titans. Never. Then to one. It's inexcusable. So it's not. You don't have secrets that the rest of the league's trying to get a hold of. Like the Patriots dynasty well, and Bill every, Belichick. Every right? team has secrets like that secrets. that I understand they don't want out and made public. The problem is those things are not taking place in May. They're not taking place They're in taking April. Place at Rookie practices once you in start game week preparation. Yes. Those are right. where those things are taking place where it's completely understandable as to why they would want to shut things down or and not opening, give away the trick play they're working on for a certain opponent. They're opening one OTA a week. They have other OTAs every week. So if you're doing stuff that you don't want known, do them at the OTAs that are closed. At the OTAs that are open, it's not hard not to reveal <laughs> some big thing. 
And if you run a trick play there that you're starting to work on, we know, that, you know, we know that's uh, off limits. But the, you take it to extremes. Yeah, there, there's a big extreme. The Titans are not the only team no. that thinks this way. In fact, they were late to the party on that line of thinking with their coaches over the years. Uh, who allowed open practices? Well, Jeff Fisher was very Fisher was excellent with it, but even after Fisher, for a short time, yeah, Munchak's uh, the guy that started. And Munchak, you complained about being too honest with the media <laughs> when well, he was asked a question. Yeah, he was just well, a guy. He just so. rambled. No, you said he was. He would answer a question to be too honest. We couldn't. And Malarkey couldn't tell a lie when you asked yeah. him a question. Uh, Wizenhunt, on the other hand, you know, you couldn't make eye contact with him. Right. He would um, rather smack you in the face than answer your yeah, question. Let alone, uh, you know, know an owner's name in the hallway. <laughs> um, but beyond that, um, the, the Titans are late to the party on this line of thinking, but they're right there in, in step with, with the majority of the league now that, you know, the secrets out in May are going to affect them in September. And that's just not the case. It, it, drives the case. Me, it drives and me crazy. It'll be, uh, people are thirsty, thirsty, thirsty for anything that can get on this team. And what we'll get on this team. But again, they, they want you to show up and take attendance. They, they want you to ask the and, and write columns on, on who's not there and why. Well, here will be one of the stories tomorrow. Here, here will be one of the stories. We'll take attendance, and then we'll say, Mike, are these guys, is so-and-so and so-and-so here in the building rehabbing, or are they not here? And he'll say, everybody has a plan. And that's, that's a real uh, foolish thing, I think. Like, you can't tell us if he's not here or if he's not physically outside and he's inside rehab. Those are major distinctions. Yeah. And they won't, they won't tell that. So he'll let a guy look like he's not there and take the flack for not being there when he's actually inside working on stretching his hand. Yeah, but, but we knew that Isaiah Wilson wasn't. We knew last year in camp Isaiah Wilson was there. Right. But he was so fat and out of shape that he was inside not participating. Like right. we, we knew he was physically there. But now, with the call for veterans not to be there, right. there will be some veterans oh. not there tomorrow. Yeah. Will, will there be some veterans who are re rehabbing injuries inside? And will they be mixed with veterans who have chosen not to show up in terms of my the main, union's push? My main he will mix those all together. is with the voluntary aspect of this. The voluntary OTAs in minicamp work that some teams are just done away with, but they they want some public shame from the fan base to be upset with a player who works out on his own somewhere instead of coming to the team to work out and be around the facility during the off season, and they want that shame filtered through the local sports writers who sit there and check off names as they walk out of the locker room for practice. And then, then, then mention them in a tweet right. on who's not accounted but for. But that's what I'm saying. Vrabel will let us think they're not there if we check them off, which some of them might be in the building rehabbing. Could and be, And he won't yeah. differentiate those two. But, man, we've, we know who's starting at left guard for the Atlanta Falcons. That's a huge, it's a huge competitive club. advantage for whoever's playing them. Just that division, goodbye. That's Atlanta. right. <laughs> not going to win a single game in that division now. And there, there's no way they rise up. <laughs> Coming up, the 360 parlay. We have that just around the corner. It's my turn. I've got, uh, a, two, got a winner. A two-team parlay for us uh, where we will all rally. We will rally together on the $5 parlay, parlay coming up from uh, FanDuel. We hope you'll join us next on Outkick 360.
Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Tom Brady at it again where he tweets out the match for July the 6th where it's Brady and Mickelson against DeChambeau and Rodgers. And he tweets out the, the image for July the 6th. And then his, his comment is, two champions against a scientist and a Jeopardy host. <laughs> <laughs> That's so so uh, that's coming up July the 6th, uh, and we are here for it. Big time in the big sky is what they're calling it as they'll uh, tee off in Montana. Big time tonight on FanDuel with the two-team parlay I've got for you here that we're about to put up, fanduel.com slash OK360. Sign up. If you're already signed up, join us. Two-team parlay, $5 is what we're putting down uh, each evening, uh, and you can follow along. We, we had the Knicks last night uh, as part of a three-team parlay with Chad. We're sticking with them. Not knowing that the game was right. tonight. <laughs> Same spread. That was my it, it is still Knicks minus two. So we're, we're, I'm just carrying over that bet from yesterday to tonight's parlay. So you're going Knicks minus two, not money line. Correct? Knicks minus okay. two. So you're laying the points. And then we are taking the Braves money line. Give me that action as they are on the road against the Red Sox. I, I do this because I saw the over under in this game. The over under is 10.5 runs, which tells me. The Braves are mashing right now. Yep. We know the Red Sox are doing that. I'm looking for a high-scoring affair where the Braves score some runs late and just win the game outright like they did a night before in a quick two-game sweep of the Red Sox. And I also took this bet because I know Paul will be keeping yes. an eye well, on this one. I, uh, I'm not All betting rise. on the Braves. I'm betting against the Red Sox. I was surprised <laughs> yeah. at the 10 runs considering last night was 3-1. to one. With these two teams, ten and a half saw runs. That score. So that's that's a lot of runs. I am the least confident in the Braves bet, <laughs> but that's typically the case because well, I'm you not, you bet the Knicks yourself. Well, and I've yesterday. also I, I've I've been very bad at um at predicting when the Braves are going to get hot. <laughs> I, I'm like, oh, they've lost three or four. They're definitely going to win tonight, and they lose another one. And then I'm always either the front end of the bad or the the wrong end yeah. of the winning streak with the Braves. They've won four straight now. They won three straight against Pittsburgh. They won the opener in this two-game set in Fenway against Boston. So I don't have a lot of confidence in that one, Hutton, but it's your you, parlay, <laughs> and I'm, I'm playing it. And, uh, yeah, we've, uh, we're going to make it happen. Well, Smiley's on the mound. What does that tell you? Sounds a little Jewish. You said he's been, he's been pitching well, though. Yeah, he had a good outing in, in the last one. Right, we're I clicked on, on FanDuel, this in real time, seeing this, and what pops up is action – and it has Pavetta, Smiley, both pitchers. Action means you're betting it no matter who throws. Right. Like if a pitcher falls And that's out what we have on the screen as well. So both pitchers is what I need to well, hit? Well, that might change the numbers. Look, we're taking the money line. You're taking action on it. So we've got the money line plus action. 124 is what action. you got. And you're, you're going to win. You've got it right. You've got it right. We're, taking the, we're just betting the Braves to win outright in this game. No matter who throws. No matter. Okay, but I have to take... It says action, and Pavetta, Smiley, or both pitchers. I have to do one of the three. When I say action, action, take action. it won't let me do it. Done. Place bet, and it goes back to it. I have to take one of them. Action. Both or one. Again, oh, it's making you take do it after the show. Take action. Yeah. <laughs> do it after the show. And you're asking the wrong guy with Paul who can't figure out well, how, know to, what how to is. bet certain No, uh, but that's players. why I'm honestly asking for the viewer out there, too, who may be confused by that because I've never seen that happen before. When I bet on a baseball game. I think you need to start over. <laughs> start over from scratch. And then let us know whenever the next time you bet Phil Mickelson, Chad. 
That way we can all join you yeah. in on this. You know what? You know when the next time I'm about Phil Mickelson, the next US time Open? he plays in a damn tournament. Every tournament, I'm betting <laughs> Phil Mickelson. Well, That's my gift to Phil Mickelson. And you said, I'm, I'm putting three dollars on Phil Mickelson every time, just in honor of Phil. Even if I throw the three dollars away, which Paul said I was doing with the last three dollar bet. Just in honor of him, I'm putting three dollars on Phil every time. When does the 500 schedule to arrive, and what's the plan? Seven for the to ten business days. What's the plan oh, for nice. the 500? No real plan. Just <laughs> gonna sit on it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a few nice it's lunches. Gonna invest it. It's gonna Angie, turn that. Angie, have any plans? He's getting. Maybe. He's getting paid in Bitcoin. Is what he's. Yeah. <laughs> I, I transferred it to Dogecoin. Actually, <laughs> Elon Musk gave me a great tip. Uh, Paul, on the way out. Uh, let everyone uh, during the Tennessee Power Hour know your thoughts on AJ Brown uh, sending the the voice Instagram message to Julio Jones, which <laughs> yeah. I'm all for, uh, and what it meant to you when you heard it. Well, look, it's fun and it makes for good social media content. But players campaigning for uh, to a guy for a trade is kind of disjointed. AJ uh, Julio Jones isn't controlling the trade. Fontenot's controlling the trade. And if he gets traded here, John Robinson's controlling the trade. So A.J. Brown needs to stop by John Robinson's office and give him a call. That's not going to happen on social media. But that's the person of influence here that, that he could you know, potentially have some you know, sway with. Not that John Robinson's making trades to make A.J. Brown happy. But Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown clearly would like Julio Jones to be on this team. Yeah. They don't need to influence Julio Jones. <laughs> they need to influence John Robinson. Well, so what are the odds that there's going to be a player involved in this trade? Not, I, I, not Julio listen, Jones. Listen, they can't take money back. The reason they're making this deal is because they have no cap money. So everybody's putting players in this deal back. If these players are making any money, the Falcons can't take money. So there's not going to be a player involved. I, I, I would because my first thought was what's funny to me is in doing this the unintended consequence are you're losing a teammate <laughs> by petitioning oh, by for petitioning, Julio yeah. Jones to do it. You're you're basically saying <laughs> now let's get rid of Sean Evans. <laughs> let's make this deal happen, John. But you see you see my point. Yeah, yeah. It's like when you do that, I know that he's going straight to Julio Jones, which that's not the one making the decision on where he goes, but. I immediately thought you're also saying goodbye to somebody. condoning one of your teammates being dealt <laughs> when you're pushing for this to happen. No, I think it's strictly a draft pick or picks thing based on the what the relief Atlanta is looking for is at the heart of this from Atlanta's thing. Plus, Jones wants out. Guys, fun show today. Just Good like stuff. that. Yeah. Just like Quick. that. Clock. Just like that. Let's go skate. Primary complaint was fun. No thanks. Uh, big thanks to Levi Gibson and Jacob Swanson for making the show happen Good today. Good job, boys. Um, shout out Lance Lee, wherever you may be, on your well-deserved week off. David, Sleepy Danny, good morning to you. Uh, hope you're doing well down the hall as well as uh, Becca Risley. Wakey, wakey. And uh, our production assistant, Sarah Triplett, who flat out got it done today, uh, sitting in for David Reed, and uh, Regan McCrossan. On her day day one, uh, did an excellent job for us on social media. Hit us up there on social media. At Outkick360 on Twitter. You can find us on the Facebook page as well. And we hope you'll subscribe to the YouTube channel by searching out Outkick360 channel at YouTube. If you're not already subscribed, please do. Uh, we post brand new content there every day. And we go live every day during the week, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Hit us up on Instagram for the warm-up prior to the show as well. We're everywhere. Link in the bio, as we like to say. 
Catch you tomorrow, same time, right here across the Outkick Network. And, and lock the locks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.